0: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. look at what the dominion was from 1867 to 1931 most of southern ontario sits under land that was issued by the crown in england to what they had at that time were british subjects or british citizens and they have land patents that cover pretty much all of southern ontario Toronto up until I guess it's where Front Street beyond Front street going down to the water that's a reclaimed land the land patent is allodial title it means that you own your property from the soles of your feet to the center of the earth from the top of your head to the outer reaches of the atmosphere how much better property rights do you want you can't get a higher value of property rights other than a lodeal lodeal is the highest value of property rights you can have but in 1931 that all changed why because we no longer had a de jour even though we were a colony, even though we were a dominion, but we had a de jure government. After 1931, that ended.
1: Have you subscribed to my newsletter yet? It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and then click on subscribe. All I need is your email address, and that's it. Then, once a month... You'll receive my newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox. The Inner Sanctum contains a monthly brief, a column of my analysis of the news and opinions. There's a This Month in UFO or Conspiracy History, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of this radio program, a book club, my podcast pick of the month, a spotlight on a previous guest, and much more. Join the Strange Planet community by signing up for your free subscription to Inner Sanctum. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on subscribe. It's a strange planet. Read all about it. A very controversial new documentary uh, currently in production. It's called The Myth is Canada. And I'm reading here from the uh, the website at uh, nephilimfilms.com. Uh, This film will expose the misguided belief systems the people of Canada hold about the Canadian federal and provincial governments. The documentary will expose an ongoing deception and will bring a solution to the people of Canada to overcome this deception so as to bring a prosperous and bright future for all the people of Canada. Uh, independent filmmaker and executive producer of this feature-length doc, uh, Doug Force, makes the case that Canada, listen closely now, Canada is not a lawfully established country. It's not a sovereign country. We are not citizens. We are chattel and a crown owned corporation. In the film... Doug interviews former governor-generals, is it governor-generals or governors-general? Hmm, we'll ask him about that. Uh, lieutenant governors, various Canadian politicians, constitutional attorneys, and federal and provincial judges. Doug Force is a Canadian, many generations Canadian. A bit of a history buff, to say the least. He started researching the history of Canada a number of years ago, putting together the broader context of what is Canada. He serves as writer, director, researcher, and executive producer at Nephilim Films. Doug Force, it's been quite a while.
0: It has been, Richard, and thank you very much for having me back, yeah, for a third time.
1: We talked about uh, this, the idea for this documentary many years ago, so this has been a long long road for you, and that is typical. I mean, people need to understand, you know, in film and television, it takes a long time from when you put the idea down on paper to its actual, you know, to the actual uh, fruition. Um, so where is the, where is the myth is Canada at right now in terms of its production?
0: Well, we actually haven't uh, haven't entered production at all, Richard. We're actually into crowdfunding. <clears throat> we're up on Indiegogo. Uh, we'll be on there for uh, the next three three to four weeks, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then we're also doing uh, the funding up, up through the website itself. Indiegogo is kind of restricted people to credit card use only, so we've had to um, allow uh, for PayPal and uh, e-transfer, et cetera, et cetera, on, uh, on, through the website to help us with the crowdfunding on this. And we're picking up momentum, and I really appreciate you having me on your show tonight. Thank you very much. And it's kind of a treat now to do another two hours with you. The last time we did this was in 2008 when you were on... Another radio
1: station. Ah, there you go. It's been that long. Okay, well, we're delighted to have you back. And uh, well, thank I, you. I, I, uh, people again can go to nephilemfilms n e p h a l e m films.com, And uh, in the about section, uh, you'll note they'll notice another uh, recent guest on uh, on the conspiracy show. He was also with me on uh, Coast to Coast, and that's Alan Park as part of your team. I, I'm not telling tales out of school. He's on the website, right? That's true.
0: Absolutely correct.
1: Wow, you've got uh, quite a talent pool there at Nephilim Films. All right, so let's get to the uh, let's get to the uh, the the premise here of the film, and that is that Canada is not a lawfully established country. Now, I know you include in on on the website kind of an interesting uh, timeline that sort of breaks it down uh, year by year. Uh, but just what is it? What is it? Give us kind of an overarching. Idea, But what you mean when you say we are not Canada, that is, is not a, law- a lawfully established country. What does that mean?
0: Well, Canada, they would have you believe, confederated in 1867. Uh, we're celebrating 150 years of this so-called confederation. And. Um, The problem that we have with that and and that statement is that uh, that I I would ask the politicians, uh, simply, where are the Articles of Confederation? Um, When did the people and provinces ratify these Articles?
1: I certainly, I certainly want to get into that because in the trailer uh, or the teaser uh, for the um, for the documentary the myth is Canada and again the website nephilimfilms.com, uh, you you, 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 um, you include a, a snippet from a, a, a news report back in 2016 someone is reporting on the income disparity or the concentration of wealth in Canada. Uh, and they announced that 10%, the top 10% of Canadians own 50% of the wealth. Uh, and so presumably that has been achieved only because, again, uh, you know, we are all being deceived. This is not a, we are not a sovereign country. We are, we are not citizens. Uh, we're chattel in a, in a, in a corporation. How much of this has to do with just the parliamentary system and the fact that we are or were colonies of, uh, of Great Britain?
0: Well, that's just it, uh, uh, Richard. They, uh, 1931, through the statute uh, uh, of Westminster, uh, that voided the British North American Act and ended, ended um, uh, London's, or well, Great Britain's reign on Canada as a colony and allowed it to confederate and allowed it to uh, seat a constitutional government. Um, what happened was is that the people that were in Ottawa didn't want to give up their power to the people of Canada and instead they pretended like nothing changed. And so today we have what they call a de facto uh, government or an unlawful and illegal government. But because we, the people of Canada, have not understood what's going on around us, uh, we have consented to that jurisdiction and to that government. And the problem we have is that all the provinces are sovereign nations unto themselves, with de facto governments as uh, uh, today uh, running them, when all we need to do, and it's quite simple, René Levesque in 1976 got a letter from a gentleman by the name of Walter Kuhl that's up on the website, when uh, Walter explained to René that he didn't need to separate from Canada because you can't have a divorce without first having a marriage. And hence hold a constitutional convention in Quebec and seat a de jure government, and that's all you need to do.
1: So explain the difference between a de facto government, which is what you say we have in all ten provinces and territories, and, and federally we have de facto governments, but we want what we want is a government de jure.
0: Explain the difference. And a de facto government is a government. Well, and a, the, the, the way that the government here in Canada was created um, it is that they just usurped the power of the people and uh, went to a foreign monarch, the Queen of England, and asked her to go into her parliament so that they could pass uh, a legislative charter called the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in 1982 that incorporated that entity. And uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, if you recall what was said on the news back in 1982, patriated that constitution. In other words, he took it to Canada for the first time. Um, Not repatriated, by the way. And in doing so, um, it bamboozled the people into believing that they had the right Uh, To govern and in reality, they had no right to do so by taking a foreign corporation and pretending to be the government of Canada. And then, with the subcorps pretending to be provincial governments, they have uh, used control away from we, the people of Canada, and kept it for
1: themselves. And, when you uh, say themselves, uh, who, who do you mean? Whoever is whoever is prime minister, who is ever in the, the oh, prime minister's office, who's ever in cabinet?
0: Oh, it goes beyond the politicians. Uh, themselves uh, would be if you look at the, if you look at the history of england and you look at the the, the house of lords over there and the very uh, very court of the queen etc cetera, etc cetera, and the owners of that corporation are them they own uh the corporation that was incorporated in 1982 by the uk parliament the politicians are just paid shills they get their uh they get their salaries for life, they get health care for life, they get uh all of their family well taken care of for life, and they get to take uh as much of the taxpayer money as they can steal while they're while they're in power. I mean what a quick example was that uh that uh, was his name, Paul Martin yes. back in nineteen ninety two. He owned the uh, Canadian steamship company and uh in order for him to make some changes uh, when he was finance minister, uh, the IMF came to him and said, "Make some changes." He granted himself a hundred million dollar uh, grant of taxpayer money to put into the Canadian steamship company, so he could change the flag to Liberian flag and get the ships refitted.
1: <laughs> where is where, I mean, that's, that's an. We have to say that was that happened allegedly, right? I mean, we can't say that that happened. How do we know that happened? Well, actually, he admits. To he admits he took a hundred million dollars from the oh, Iowa. No, he
0: he doesn't admit he took it. He says it was granted. It was a grant, ah. uh, given to him for the uh, Canadian Steamship Company. But that's just, you know, a person in power who can grant himself. You know, when you apply for a grant through the government, right. um, and you can get monies—that's not a loan that they give you. It's, a, it's a monies that they give you to do certain things with. You're in sciences, or you're sure.
1: in. So arts you're saying that sector. he received a hundred million dollar grant from the IMF. Uh, no, not from the IMF, from the Canadian taxpayer. From the Canadian taxpayer. I'm sorry. In exchange for what? What?
0: Well, the IMF came to him and said you know in in the finance he was finance minister at the time he yes. said you're making an embarrassment of uh, the healthcare systems around the world it's, it turns out that canada's healthcare system was very very well run and it was run profitably and the, the imf said you're 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 embarrassing the united states you're embarrassing england france and the rest of the uh, the rest of the world that has a healthcare system what we'd like you to do is start cutting beds and increasing uh, the administration uh, cut jobs and beds and increase your administration, which is what he did. And he took a very efficient uh, system back in 1992 to what it is today, where there's lineups now for elective surgery. There's lineups now going into pretty much any emergency ward uh, on any night of the week. Um, and that was, if you, if you recall back in the late 80s and early 90s, you used to be able to go to emergency and get taken care of right away. Um, if you had problems uh, that you needed an operation, uh, you were usually, there was no waiting time. But now all that has changed. The administration is very top-heavy, while there's
1: the rest of the um, Well, one, one could argue that, that that is simply the nature of socialized medicine. It, it, <laughs> I mean, all government agencies become these synthetic beasts, and they just tend to... I mean, there's only two other jurisdictions in the world that have a similar health care system, and that's North Korea and Cuba, as far as I know. Uh,
0: well, and at the time uh, when he did this... We had been running our healthcare system since the 1960s, right. very efficiently and uh, and all uh, and profitably, and and it was still for everybody. Mm-hmm. But after that, uh, within okay. a few years of him getting his grant and uh, and changing the way that that healthcare system was going right. to be run, it started to started to run inefficiently. It is as today, now very inefficient. Now, if he would have left it alone, we would have still had one of the top.
1: Healthcare systems in the world how do we know about the uh, this this um edict that came from the imf how do we how did you find out about that
0: actually he actually said it in an interview um a very long time ago i had been watching uh one an old documentary and he had actually mentioned the imf and in 1992 had uh, had had a chat with him and i always thought that was funny uh, because he didn't actually say that the IMF said you need to change your healthcare system, but if you if you follow what happened after the IMF had their chat, and uh, and go on to see how he got his grant of hundred million dollars, and the healthcare system then started to get administratively heavy, and uh, the beds were being closed, there was hospitals being closed. I was out in Vancouver at that time, and they closed uh, three hospitals uh from uh, 1992 through 1994 very large hospitals that were run very efficiently
1: well there's no question you know we have we have serious problems uh with just long-term sustainability with you know many of our with many of our um as when with many aspects of our social safety net let's put it that way uh, but uh, let's get let's get back to the premise that uh, that Canada is not a, a country. If we're not a sovereign country, then we are citizen We are not citizens. We are. I, I described as, as chattel of a corporation. Is that a fair analogy?
0: Only if you consent to that jurisdiction. You are actually we are actually um, a landmass uh, with sovereign individuals. Every human being on the landmass, known as Canada, is actually a sovereign individual. We don't have a de jure government. If they want to create a federal authority from that, then the people of Canada uh, can actually create a federal authority for Ottawa if they want to. And once again, that would be done through a constitutional convention and then seating a de jure federal authority.
1: How would that change? uh, I mean, you know, so we go to the polls every four plus years. We elect members of parliament. Uh, they promise us one thing and then they largely ignore us in between elections. Uh, that's pretty standard, you know, from country to country around the world. How are things? How would things differ if we had, instead of a de facto government, as you as, uh, refer to them, and we had a government de jour? I mean, I'm just trying to place myself in the minds of our listeners saying, okay, de facto, du jour, what, what difference does it make? A politician is a politician.
0: Well, actually, um, under... Uh, a, a de jure government uh the politician uh, is only elected by the people and if he fails to uh initiate the people's mandate there would be safeguards built within that constitution to ensure that he is relieved of his position and that a by election would be called and another politician would be put in his position uh, would be put in his place um today as you know the uh, the politicians once elected they're under no obligation to follow anything that they've said uh to get elected or to listen to their constituents once elected if uh, if it goes against what uh they uh want to do um and
1: Well there have nothing... been there, excuse me Doug I mean there have been examples mm-hmm. um you know where we have you know, for example, provincial parties where we have a very strong grassroots underneath that, you know, underneath the sort of the party apparatus or informing party platforms and party policy. If you, you know, if you if you join the the conservative party, the provincial conservative party or and you attend meetings and so forth and you get involved in the process. Maybe I'm being naive here, uh, but uh, I mean, uh I mean, where else? Show me where else in the world where where um, an elected member is is responsible to his constituents after he's elected. I think most people the world over feel feel that you know that they are largely ignored.
0: United States of America. um, In all uh, forty-eight states in the lower forty-eight states, uh, they can recall the politicians. And uh, if they're not following the mandate of the people, it's not done very often because of the big uh, there's only two political
1: party systems down there at this time. Yeah, they tried to recall the governor of Wisconsin and and, um, it it didn't work out. You're right. I mean, I have we have seen that at least the attempt. But uh, aren't the provinces here that have recall? Doesn't Alberta have a recall mechanism?
0: Um, actually, I was just—I'm trying to find the case right now that was actually in Alberta, yeah. um, and the uh, the Alberta or the the uh, the, the courts uh, ruled against uh, the people, saying that the politician had no. Uh, no standing. Right. Or, I'm sorry that the uh, the people had no standing to tell the politician what to do after he was elected.
1: Well, that's an interesting point because you mentioned the uh, the courts. And if, you for example, if you look in the United States with the judiciary and many of the the appellate courts are incredibly liberal. Uh, you know, after eight years of a Democratic president, he has that. I mean, that's the greatest <laughs> that's the greatest power of a president really, is to appoint uh, Supreme Court judges, appellate court judges that will, could sit and change and inform uh, policy for a generation. Uh, where, where we have seen, for example, um, uh, ballot initiatives in, in places like California. Um, I mean, I don't want to get you know political here, but this, I, I'm citing this as an example. In, in California, they voted for a ballot initiative, uh, you know, recognizing sort of the sanctity of um, a woman and a man uh, getting married. Um, that was the the will of the people in this ballot initiative. And again, I'm not making a commentary one way or the other. I'm citing it as, a, as an example, and the courts overturned that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what would, again, what would change? Okay, so we would have the ability to recall an MLA or a member of provincial parliament, as we call them in Ontario. What else would change?
0: Well, you've got to understand something here, Richard. That the Constitution that would be created would be created by the will of the people, Mm -hmm. and if the if the will of the people says that if a politician doesn't follow uh, what the will of the people is, then he should be recalled, or will be recalled, and he will lose his uh, his status as a politician. And so, these are.
1: I agree. I, I agree. In principle, it's it's one of the shining documents uh, of human history.
0: Exactly, and where it starts off with the with the three most important words, "We the People." Mm. Interesting. Yes, and and that's the beautiful thing of that. Been going downhill ever since, and this is why you get the courts being stacked with people that will work in favor of bigger government, but against the will of the people. Right, right.
1: When when the prime minister, for example, uh, swears allegiance to the queen and not the people of Canada, does that mean that the that we are essentially owned by the crown?
0: We're not owned by anybody.
1: We're not owned Uh, by anybody. Okay.
0: uh, Ideally. I mean, I can get into the uh, into the intricacies of how they, they bamboozle.
1: Doug, uh, let me just jump in. Are you want a Are you want a hands free? Could I get you? To, if so, could you pick up the handset?
0: Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Did there I, we oh, go. There we go.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I had the microphone in another position. Um, What I was saying is that uh, that, uh, the people are all sovereign, but they they get tricked into believing that that this is a a lawful government. And by accepting it, they go ahead and do uh, what what they need to, to do to survive. And, uh, you know, through licensing, uh, the government requires you to be licensed to do this or licensed to do that, or uh, the income tax, uh, the, the, the GST, the HST, the, the, all of these other things, all the, the licensing fees and everything else is just a money grab. I mean, you pay 35% of your income towards the government that uh, has no allegiance to you whatsoever.
1: What, what, but how much of that has to do with the fact that we are, uh, I mean, even though we have conservative parties, they're not really that conservative. We have, we are essentially kind of a, we tend to be more of a European-style socialist country. I mean, and that's what happens under a socialist regime. We get taxed and they yeah, spend. Was, and, that
0: was what was cast upon us. Yeah. Um, Given the opportunity to seat a de jure government Hmm. through our constitution uh, and creating our own constitution, um, that would have, may not have uh, have taken place. But even if it did take place, it would have been the will of the people, not the will of a foreign uh, uh, government. And the problem that we have is that they entice you in with this great, Oh look, we're giving you free healthcare. Oh look, we're doing this, we're doing that for you. And slowly over time, as you can see, austerity, last government, Mr. Harper said, austerity must, we must embrace austerity here in Canada. And the first thing Trudeau said when he took government, we must embrace austerity when he took government. So now they're taking away all these wonderful little perks we've had. And, and, and it, it, in order to what happens when a government starts removing uh, the good things uh, that uh, that uh, make it a good country? Well, that's about control.
1: Right. So, what does it mean then when the prime minister is sworn in and he pledges allegiance to the queen? You're saying that we are not really we're not owned by the queen. It's 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 not uh, a, a crown corporation. Uh, it is
0: a crown corporation because it was created the charter of rights and freedoms is just that it is a charter of a corporation that was created by the uh, UK parliament and uh, because don't forget that it's a constitutional monarchy in the united or in the united kingdom yes and hence it would be a crown corporation what's interesting is this is that uh, the, the governor general the prime minister and the chief justice of canada are considered the right honorables and and what are the right honorable? Who, who do they have allegiance to? They are responsible for their actions to the British Crown and, and the British government. Right. This is why, when they're sw- when sworn into their respective offices, they pledge their allegiance to a foreign monarch, Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain.
1: Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
0: But they have no allegiance to us.
1: But don't they also do that in Australia? Uh, don't they also do that in uh, any number of other uh, former? British colonies now part of the Commonwealth
0: yes they do and but we're here in Canada I'm not in Australia otherwise it would be the myth of Australia or the myth of New Zealand if I was there
1: right but but what <laughs> but I'm saying is idea. it's the same situation there similar not the same they don't have the, they, they don't have government de they have de facto governments
0: it's similar to what we're going through here but not the same we were lucky. When the Statute of Westminster was created, we had a gentleman by the name of R. Rogers Smith, who was in Ottawa at the time and a good friend of Mackenzie King, and and he wrote the three uh, main clauses that applied to Canada uh, that were in the Statute of Westminster. And Mackenzie King took those with him to uh, London, and the English Parliament adopted them as as our Roger Smith had written so we got very lucky in that. With uh, with those clauses put in, we were basically cast at, uh, cast at sea. In other words, the uh, British North American Act and the British Parliament and, they, and the Queen had no more claim on Canada.
1: Doug Forrest, Nephilim Films, The Myth is Canada. Stay with us. I can't stop talking about the pomegranate super tea from my friends at Get the Tea. They actually changed the name. It used to be known as Formula 13 pomegranate cleansing tea. But this gentle cleansing tea now contains a new, stronger formula. All I know is it still tastes great, it's still refreshing, and it still provides me with energy, and a sense of well-being. This new blend of tea contains some of the same ingredients as those that are in the Life Change Teas, but with added natural pomegranate flavor and stevia to give it a natural, slightly sweetened taste. One pouch of tea contains eight tea bags, enough to last for one month. I brew two gallons at a time, and then it steeps in cold water. Into the fridge it goes, and that's enough to last for the week. I start my day every day with a 16-ounce cool refreshing glass of this amazing herbal, non-GMO, caffeine-free tea. It provides a daily gentle cleanse that rids my body of any intruders, a healthy gut, is the key to a healthy body so come on board and find out for yourself the super tea also comes in peppermint these teas are not available in any store use the code unlimited and all your orders ship for free get your tea from getthetea.com
0: the truth goes through three stages first it is ridiculed Ridiculed. second it is violently opposed. opposed Third, it is accepted as self-evident. Self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: I'd asked you about the uh, the Constitution. You're saying it we don't have a Constitution. It constitutes nothing. So, what does it? It delineates powers, though, doesn't it?
0: Well, what it does, it, it does apply. To uh, uh, under under section thirty two, one um, the charter applies to a the Parliament and government of Canada and b the legislature legislature and the government of each province, and that's all it applies to. Doesn't apply to you and I or any other Canadian person. And so, how can we have a constitution that would would be a law of the land supposedly that doesn't apply to us?
1: Hmm. So it's the wording is been crafted as such to exclude uh, to exclude the citizens.
0: Well, there are no citizens, because right. if it doesn't include you, how can you be a citizen of something that you're not included in? Interesting. If you were to claim uh, uh, protection under the Constitution in a court of law, you <laughs> it doesn't apply to you. You don't have
1: its protection in their courts. Not even under the Charter? that's where that comes from
0: 32 one of the charter says very specifically it applies to the parliament and the government of canada and b to the legislature and the government of each province but,
1: but when an individual when an individual feels like a particular law infringes upon his or her individual rights they can take that to court they can go all the way up to the supreme court mm-hmm. so isn't that exercising you know, our rights under the Charter?
0: Well, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, I, it brings to mind, I was at the um, the, the final um, press conference for uh, Calmer uh, this year, uh, where they um, released the information from the Supreme Court after they fought uh, throughout the courts here in Ontario through the um, provincial Supreme Court. Court and then off, off through the federal courts and into uh,
1: the Supreme Court of Canada. I'm sorry, did you say the Omar Carter case? The, the Comer. Oh, Comer them, case. Comer oh, case. oh, this is regarding the Bank of Canada Act.
0: Correct.
1: And right. They, I wanted to ask you wanted, about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they wanted their rights under the under under the Charter that that, that when they were they said, why can't we use the Bank of Canada as it was chartered for the people of Canada to issue money without interest.
1: Right. In other words, the government is ignoring the Bank of Canada Act. They are they've circumvented it ever since I guess uh, Trudeau was sort of tricked into um, sort of hitching our wagon to the Bank of International Settlements, so that we we instead of borrowing from the Bank of Canada at very low interest or zero interest, and the municipalities and provincial governments and the federal government can all do this. This is how we built the St. Lawrence Seaway. This is how we funded our F- our war effort in the Second World War. This is how we paid for many of our social programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all done away with in the early or mid-1970s. And so Rocco Galata uh, has been uh, representing this group all the way to the Supreme Court, arguing... That the government is, you know, they are, they're betraying the Canadian, Canadian citizens because they are ignoring the Bank of Canada Act. Anyway, sorry, I, I needed to give it some context.
0: Well, that's okay, I was going to do that anyway. Um, and the, the final decision came down that he was, they, they, they sued to have the politicians, to make the politicians, uh, do this. And the, the Supreme Court of Canada said <laughs> that they weren't going to hear it because it was a political issue. Hmm. And they threw it back out, which is the whole idea of the Calmer case in the first place was to get the politicians to, to do what they were supposed to do under the Bank of Canada Act and, and the Supreme Court. That's What I'm saying is that we the people, the Constitution doesn't apply to us. If it did, the Supreme Court would have, uh, would have found in favor of uh, the Calmer case and said the politicians have to follow what the people say. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, I just wanted to bring um, uh, my um, one of my producers here, in Ryan, uh, because you were looking. Well, we were talking about recall earlier. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was Alberta that had recall, but Ryan, what did it's you find? Columbia. Out? Yeah, British
0: Columbia, ninety-one. They had a general election and they also had a referendum. Where about eighty percent of the population of the voters voted to in favor of having recalls okay. on if they were upset, and uh, it passed as
1: legislation in '95 years later. Okay, so yeah. th- would that mean then, uh, Doug, that British Columbia now has a government de jour?
0: No, the recall that if you if you actually go read what the recall is that they created out in British Columbia, it's almost not quite, but almost impossible. And they did it to placate the masses, but they made it so onerous to, that it, it, it becomes almost an impossibility to fulfill a recall. As a matter of fact, a number of times it has been tried in, in British Columbia, and uh, they're yet to, to, to my knowledge anyways, they're yet to uh, ever have used it. They've tried to use it, but they've yet never actually been able to.
1: All right, let's grab a quick call here. Uh, William is in Toronto. Good evening. Good morning, William.
0: I, uh, I would like to ask about the notwithstanding clause in the Constitution. That means if, uh, you go against them and they, they don't like it, they say, no, we don't like it because of notwithstanding clause. You right. don't have to give this any reason. Is, this is
1: parliamentary supremacy. Yeah, they can overrule the Supreme, Supreme Court. The Supreme
0: Court have to give any reasons. They can decide on whatever they want and without any reasons. And also, uh, everyone has to accept the uh, Constitution. All the provinces, Quebec, has not accepted it, so we don't have
1: one. Excellent point. All right. What about the notwithstanding clause? Well,
0: and then. Once again, now we're getting into um, uh, what an attorney could tell you, and I, I, I don't hold that hat. I am, <laughs> I am not an attorney, and so I don't get into the breakdown of the law itself uh, within within there. I mean, there's certain clauses that we can look at that we understand, but the, you know, the overview on that would be: if they, if they have that, they can do whatever they want.
1: Once again, that Constitution doesn't apply to you. Right, in, in those rare instances, the Parliament could override the Supreme Court, uh, which, you know, I'm, in, in part I'm not opposed because we, we do have a very advocate, uh, we have a, a Supreme Court that's, they're advocates, right? They're not, I don't, but then you could say, well, are they, what are they interpreting? they're, they're interpreting the Constitution, but we don't really have a Constitution, so what does it matter?
0: Well, then that's just it. We, we, we go into their courts uh, with attorneys, and the definition of an attorney is to bring the person or its property onto the state. And as soon as you hire an attorney, the court deems you incompetent. So, how is that fair play? Hmm.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the Constitution, one of the things uh, and, and the Charter that I and I know that this was, I believe, something that um, Harper wanted to do, and I believe. Um, The new conservative leader has talked about it, and that is instilling property rights in the Constitution. We don't have property rights as individuals in this country, do we?
0: Well, we did up until 1931.
1: We did. Okay.
0: And the problem that we had, okay, if you look at what the Dominion was from 1867 to 1931... um, most of southern ontario sits under land patent that was issued by uh the crown in england uh to uh the, the the what they had at that time were british subjects or british citizens and they have land patents that cover pretty much uh all of southern ontario um toronto up until i guess it's where front street um uh, beyond front street going down to the water uh that's a reclaimed land but the the land patents is elodial title. Which it's
1: means it's that what? What did you call it?
0: Elodial title. What does that mean? It means that you own your property from the soles of your feet to the center of the earth, from the top of your head to the outer reaches of the atmosphere. How much better or how much uh, of, of property rights do you want? You can't get a higher value of property rights other than elodial. Elodial is the highest value of property rights you can have.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. But in nineteen thirty one that all changed. Why? Because we no longer had a de jour, even though we were a colony, even though we were a dominion, but we had a de jure governance. After nineteen thirty one that ended.
1: Well, my understanding is that we, unless you specify, you don't own the mineral rights. In other words, you don't own what's under the soil. And in certain areas, the the Ministry of Natural Resources or 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 um, the Ministry of Mines or whatever it's called uh, can come onto your property. They could they could trespass and they could start. You know, if, let's say they wanted to take core samples to see what's on under your under the ground. They could do that.
0: Is that true? It would not. Here's the problem, uh, 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 Richard. Is that that you have today you don't own how can you tell you don't own it try not paying your property taxes it's not your property it, it doesn't belong to the de facto government but the de facto government has created property taxes that say to you if you don't pay these we will come and confiscate your property gee whiz how come how is that fair in the United States we will go across the border and we see down there they have property taxes but it was done in favor of a government that was elected, and the people actually voted for the politicians that instituted these property taxes, and they were very specific as to what the property taxes could be for. And if you go from the various states under the juju government, each state and each city and each municipality, et cetera, et cetera, down there, they all have property taxes, but they're not all the same across every state across Every, every state line, et cetera, et cetera. But in the provinces of uh, British Columbia, uh, uh, all the way across Canada, they're pretty much homogenized.
1: Right. I'll give you an when example you know Colorado, an illustration of that. I'll give you an illustration of that. In, in, in California uh, uh, they have uh, an initiative where they're actually thinking about if, if you don't have a child in public school, they will mm-hmm. remove that portion from your property tax. I mean, I can't Correct. believe I'm saying, you know, about uh, La La Land, California um, <laughs> you know, the, the Bolsheviks that are running things out there, but you know uh, one part of me thinks, hey, that's a, you know, why should a senior that has, as, that's trying to stay in their house, that has put six kids through the school system, but also they have, you know, they've moved on now in their life, they're in another phase, why should they continue to pay into the public school system? So, you're, that illustrates your point. It's not uniform in the United States. In California, they're thinking about taking the, the school portion, public school portion, off. The property tax. Stay with us, Doug. A new Richard Sarrett's
0: Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at StrangePlanetPodcast.com.